A lot of my friends would know this about me and say this about me, that I'm someone who likes to process things out loud. Uh, sometimes I'll get on the phone and I'll just say, hey, do you mind if I just talk this through, if I just say this out loud? And, and I'll work through something, and when I get to the end of the conversation, typically I figured out where I was trying to go with it. But I need to work through that. I need to talk through it. I need to process those words out loud. Some of you are probably like me in that way, and uh, and for others of you, you're wondering how does that work, what does that look like, or you've been on the other side of that conversation. I tell you that today because today as we look at this message, as we think about this sermon, as we talk about the clause that we're going to look at today as part of the Apostles' Creed, what I want you to do is I want you to think about this in terms of processing these words out loud. I want you to see this as an invitation to think through, to, to hear some of the objections to it, to understand that when we look at this clause, and when we look at honestly any clause of the creed, the way that I want to work through it is to say as we talk through these words, helping us to think through and process, to say them out loud. And to come to a place where we understand how they work together and where they bring us into our faith. One of the things that I said was so important for me is that these words aren't some kind of just words that we say that we think if we just say the right things, that somehow if we just put the right words in the right box, that somehow we have the right kind of faith and we can hold that up and say, hey, look, I've got the right kind of faith, but rather that by understanding and believing in these words, that what we've done is we've created a path for ourselves to walk. That we've taken our faith not just as something we believe in, but something that becomes action for us. Something where we're actually moving forward with it. I don't know that faith is really anything if it just becomes simply statements that we believe. How does that really do anything for us? See, I believe that the way of Jesus... And why I've committed my life to the way of Jesus is because I believe that the way of Jesus brings us to a more uh, a good, just, loving, grace-filled, mercy-filled, forgiveness-filled world. But that takes people who follow the way of Jesus actually putting those things into action. So many times I've looked around. I've looked at my own life. And I said, am I really putting belief into action? Are, are, are people who claim to follow Jesus really putting their beliefs into action? Or are they just saying, hey, these are things that I believe? And so I want you to process this with me today. I want you to see these words as an invitation. And I want you to explore it with me today. The clause is simply this. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And in the short statement from the Apostles' Creed, we find four incredible claims about Jesus that if we put them together, will change the way that we live our lives. If we take these four statements, these four claims about Jesus, that we're going to look at each one in detail and then see how they all fit together. If we do that, we don't just have something we say that we believe about Jesus. We have something that changes the way that we live our lives as we decide to follow Jesus. Now, the statement begins very simply with this. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. 
And those words are simply this, that we believe that there was a real person who lived named Jesus. And you don't have to believe in God to believe this statement, to believe that a man named Jesus lived and taught. Dr. Bart Ehrman is a biblical scholar. His work in the New Testament is read, it's taught, it's respected in, in academic circles. And the reason I tell you about him is that he wrote a book called Did Jesus Exist? And in this book, Dr. Ehrman studied the historical evidence of Jesus. And after looking at all of that historical evidence, he declared this. He said, quote, Jesus did exist. And I love this statement. I love this statement. Whether we like it or not. Jesus did exist whether we like it or not. That's a fascinating statement, but here's the thing about Bart Ehrman and where I, why I think he added that clause to the end of that statement. Because besides his academic credentials and this claim of that Jesus existed, he was an agnostic. Listen to what he wrote on his blog last year. He wrote this. He said, I don't think there is a divine being who is sovereign over this world, who interacts with it and the people in it, who answers prayer, who brings good out of evil. I don't believe it. But despite that, he still says, there was a Jesus who existed, whether we liked it or not. And he's not alone in this. Uh, Josephus, a historian from the first century, a Jewish historian, made references to Jesus. He called him a wise man, a worker of amazing deeds. And, and throughout history, people have believed there was a real Jesus, thinking of him as a prophet, a reformer, a teacher. But here's what I want you to hear. Listen what Bart Ehrman said as we continue to read from his blog. He said, For what it's worth, I sometimes call myself a Christian atheist. That's because I try to implement what I see to be the best moral teachings of Jesus in my life. And again, Dr. Ehrman isn't unique in his statements. I, I know a lot of people who like Jesus and what he taught as he walked the earth. And let me just say this very clearly. I think that's great. I'm not mad when someone says they like Jesus, but they get caught up on the God stuff. I'm not mad when someone says, I like Jesus, but I'm not sure about church. It doesn't upset me at all when someone says, hey, I think Jesus was really great, but it's the way that Christians are that bothers me. I, I could totally agree with every single one of those statements at different times of my life and still do to this day. There are times I look around and I say, man, I love Jesus. Sometimes I'm not really sure about Jesus' followers and how they are living. Are they really living like the way of Jesus? So listen to this. He says, he says, he says that I, I try to implement what I see to be the best moral teachings of Jesus in my life. Now listen, why would we get caught up on that? Why would that be a problem for anybody? Why would we not want people following the way of Jesus? So this first clause is really simple. I believe that there was a Jesus. A Jesus who walked this earth. A Jesus who had some incredible teaching. 
a Jesus who taught forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. And I think it's great when people say, hey, I think there's good in that Jesus. And I could follow that kind of Jesus. But I'm not sure about all the other stuff. And that's okay. See, this is an invitation. And so what I want you to do today is I want you to explore with me. And I'm going to be very personal and explain to you why I've given my life to going beyond those words. Why am I okay with going beyond I believe in Jesus? Why don't I just stop there? Why do I love the rest of this statement, the rest of this creed, the rest of this clause? And how has it changed my life? And you're welcome to join me if you'd like in finding out more. Now, for three years, Jesus lived and taught the things that people say they like about Jesus. But during that time, the people that were around Jesus, the people that were following Jesus, began to ask another question. They wondered if Jesus might be the Messiah, the one that they had prayed for, the one they had hoped for. Now, the word Messiah is translated Christ, and it means anointed one, God's chosen king. So when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, what we're saying is that we understand that there were a group of people who listened to Jesus, who heard what Jesus said, who saw the things that Jesus did, and they began to say, there's something else going on here than just this Jesus being a good man, doing good things, teaching good things. They began to ask the question, is this the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Is this the anointed one to come? Is this the king? Is this the Christ? In the book of Matthew, we see these rumors and these whispers about Jesus as they become a declarative statement from one of his followers named Simon Peter. So turn with me to Matthew 16 and listen to what Simon Peter says. He said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And he's asking, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So Simon Peter very clearly answers. As he's seen everything that Jesus taught, as he's seen everything that Jesus did, he comes to this place where he recognizes, yes, as I look, this is the anointed one. This is the Messiah. This is the King. But if Jesus is the Messiah... As Simon Peter says, if he's the Christ, the anointed one of God, the reason we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, then a question has to come. What kind of king is he? Now, many of the people who followed Jesus thought he was a king like they thought of other kings. So they thought that Jesus would upend the social order, that they would get rid, he would get rid of the Romans that were ruling over, and that he would just take his place as king and just get rid of all of these other kings, that he was setting up some kind of earthly kingdom. But at the end of his life, at the trial that would take him to the cross, Jesus said a fascinating statement. We find it in John 18, 36. It says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. 
Now, as we take that statement, as we look back at what Jesus taught, so now we go backwards into his life and we see the things he taught, the things he did, the way that he spoke to people, we see this. We see that Jesus never sought to overthrow the Romans. We see that he didn't try to create some kind of temporary earthly kingdom. What Jesus taught was that his kingdom is among us and within us as we as people live out the way that he taught. And we see this kingdom. We get glimpses of this kingdom through people bringing love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and justice wherever God is at work in this world. When we look at this world, And I think all of us at different times can say, there's something wrong. This isn't right. This doesn't feel right. This is wrong. When we see greed and hate and racism and injustice taking place, and we say there must be a better way. And when we see people living out grace and mercy and justice and forgiveness, we are seeing the kingdom of God being lived out. And what we're seeing is a kingdom now and one of eternal hope. We're getting a glimpse of the way the world could be and the way that the world should be. We're seeing what it looks to to say, hey, Jesus taught good things, Jesus said good things, but Jesus also wanted to establish a different way of being in this world. And that is why Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. Your kingdom is a kingdom of grace and mercy and love and justice and it is the kingdom that is needed in this world. It is a kingdom now and it is a kingdom to come. So that is what it means that he is a king. And that is what it means by his kingdom. But it's the next two words of this clause that change everything for us. See, because that love, that mercy, that grace, forgiveness, the justice that Jesus taught was the foundation of his kingdom. The stuff about Jesus that we like, the stuff we now see was at the center of his kingdom is found at the heart of God. And it is what brings the first two clauses of the creed together. And it's why it's so important that we bring these two together and why I want to read them to you today. Listen to this. It says this in the creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And so we move on as we continue on. I believe in Jesus Christ. We see this man who walked, who now we see as the Messiah, the King, the Christ. And then we see his only son, our Lord. And these next two phrases, these next two statements make all the difference in the world. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, verses 6 or 7. You, you may have heard these words, but I want you to see them in a little bit different way today. Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And what I want you to see about this statement is a very simple 
reality. What Jesus is saying is that you don't have to look for God anywhere else. You can see God perfectly in Jesus. This is what it means that he is the son of God. The statement means he is the full representation of God. See, sometimes when we look at Jesus, we have a tendency then to say, well, I like the way of Jesus. I like who Jesus is. What does that mean about God? Well, what does it mean about the rest of this story? And how do I understand and believe that? And this is a reminder for us that when we look at Jesus, we see God. Brian's on an author that I just love. He says it this way, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We haven't always known this, but now we do. I think for some of us, I I think, I think as we look at this, we see this, and we feel like we know this. We feel like this is just a common understanding for us. But I think about the first century world. When Jesus says, when you see me, you see the Father, I think about how radical that is. When I think about looking at Jesus, and I see his grace, and I see his forgiveness, I see his mercy, I see his love, I see his justice. And I see him say, when you look at me and see those things, you see the heart of your heavenly father. That is a huge shift for some of us. That is such an important reality and it's such a great reminder. God is like Jesus. That is who my Heavenly Father is. Listen how the Apostle Paul says this in a letter to one of the first churches he wrote. Colossians chapter 1. He said this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and has proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the gospel. This is the good news that Christ on this earth reveals to us in perfect wholeness 
who God is draws us to reconcile, to see that this broken earth doesn't have to be this way, that there is a place of love and mercy and justice and grace and forgiveness. It is found in God's kingdom. God's kingdom come to this earth as we put our faith and our hope and our trust in his way, seeing that Jesus is the way to that heart, to that reality of living. This is an incredible reality to see that Jesus taught us a better way to live, invites us into his kingdom, and that all are welcome in his kingdom. The end of this says, and of which, he says, this is the gospel you've heard. This is the good news you've heard. He has reconciled you into perfect, restored, renewed relationship with God. The God that we now see in Jesus. He said, to this good news, I have become a servant. Now, the final word servant that we read here is the word diakonos. And it's in the Greek that the letter was written in. And it meant someone who served a king or a lord. And this is where everything changes for us. So far, these statements that we've read, I believe in Jesus Christ his only son. These are declarations. These, these are statements of belief. But now we come to a place of action. Paul is asking us to act upon this belief that we're holding. He wrote this to the church in Rome. He said this. He said, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I want you to see something here. And I wrote this down on my notes. And I think this is important for us to see because it's easy to get off track here. Paul isn't giving some kind of magic formula. Some people have taught that if you say these words that Jesus is Lord, somehow that's what gets you into heaven after you die. But what Paul is saying is so much more powerful for all of us today. What Paul is actually saying is that this is how heaven comes into us and brings us to life. He is saying that anyone, regardless of your background, can live and serve Jesus as king of a new kind of kingdom that changes this world for good. And Paul is inviting us to believe that Jesus was more than just a man, that he is savior of the world, that he is savior of our lives, and that he is someone who is worth serving for the rest of our lives. I believe in Jesus Christ his only Son, our Lord. To sum up this statement is to say that we recognize that Jesus walked this earth fully God, fully man. Messiah and King of a new kind of kingdom which is lived out in and through our lives as we surrender our lives over to him. 
And in doing so, he rescues us from the sin and the brokenness that has come to define this world. Through his rescue, we come to see the beauty of the world as it is meant to be transformed through loving God and loving others. A taste of what is to come when God fully restores, renews, and redeems everything. Now, I love those words, and there's a lot going on in those sentences. And I wrote them down in my notes, and there's something I'm going to print out and put on my wall. There's something that I want us to see, that I want us to believe. And listen to that again, and I, I, I just want to read these to you again. I want you to hear this. I want you to see this as an invitation. Not as just a statement of belief, but as an invitation that if we walk out this way, if we put this to action, what happens in our lives and what happens in the world around us? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe that there was a Jesus who walked this earth. The Messiah and the King of a new kind of kingdom who shows me what God looks like because He is fully man and fully God. And if I say that He is my Lord, if I live out His teaching... And I allow him to work in and through my life as I give all of my life over to him. That he rescues me from the brokenness of this world. The temptation to live out of greed and hate and injustice, but instead find rescue. To be transformed. To look and act and walk out the way of Jesus. The grace, the mercy, the love, the justice, the forgiveness that I see in his life, that that life is possible in my life. And as I live that out, and as I live out his command to love God and love others, that this world is transformed, that my heart is transformed, that my life is transformed, that my family is transformed, that my community is transformed, that this world is transformed because I no longer live just for myself, but I live through a God who lives in and through me that I say there is so much more going on in this world, that I don't have the power to change this world, but there is someone who does. Someone who showed what that world looks like. Someone who deserves to be king of this world. Someone who shows me the heart of God in someone who deserves my allegiance as the Lord of my life. Because I know when I make myself the Lord of my life, when I make someone else on this earth the world of my life, that I don't bring the grace and the mercy and the love and the justice and the mercy and the goodness of God into this world. That is only possible as I give my life to the only one who deserves that kind of worship. Jesus, my King. His kingdom of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and love and justice and mercy is better than anything I could ever imagine on my own. And to make this personal, to tell you this, serving him is the best decision that I ever made. And I continue to make that decision. I continue daily to ask, are there parts of my life that I'm holding back from him being Lord? Guys, I want grace and I want mercy and I want forgiveness and I want peace and I want justice and I want love in every part of my life. There's nothing that I want to hold back because I know that Jesus is the hope of this world. The words, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. 
invite us to see the Jesus who lived and taught, who showed us what love, grace, and mercy look like, is the one who also shows us who God is and who desires for us to be. He wants to live in and through our lives. He wants to bring goodness to every part of our lives and to every corner of our world. And so today, wherever you are, I invite you to say, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, my Lord. And I invite you to continue to say those words, to choose those words daily, to choose daily to follow Jesus as the Lord of your life. And if you choose to follow Him, it's something that I believe because I've experienced something that I believe you will never regret. See, I believe that this statement is an invitation. It's an invitation for the curious. It's an invitation for the skeptic. It's an invitation for the unsure as much as it's invitation for the faithful. I believe it's something for us to consistently and constantly walk through. To be reminded that there was a Jesus. A Jesus who walked this earth. Who showed this world a completely different way to live. A carpenter from the small town of Nazareth who the way that he lived and the things that he did caused thousands of people to gather around, to listen to his teaching, to follow him. So we've done a series just on the Sermon on the Mountain. We've listened to his teaching and we look back and we say, man, that's incredible. It's amazing. It's powerful. If we would just apply some of those things to our lives, imagine how this world would change. As people ask Jesus to sum up the greatest teaching, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. That as we love our neighbors, we love those around us, that we love God. And all of us say, wouldn't the world be a better place if we love those around us and truly love those around us? How different would this world look? And then we get an invitation. We look and we say, well, then he must be the perfect kind of king. That, that it's easy for us to say, well, if somebody ruled this world, if somebody was in charge of this world, wouldn't this world look more like the way of Jesus? And we say, that's what it means to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the only king worthy to serve and to rule. Because the way of Jesus, the way of his kingdom, is exactly what this world needs. And then we're invited to continue to believe, to see to go along and to say there's something going on that's so much bigger than ourselves. To realize that our Heavenly Father who created us, who loves us, that when we look at Jesus and we look at His way, we see that that is at the heart of our Heavenly Father. And then to take the action step, to follow that, <laughs> to say that He's my Lord. I want to live that way that he is deserving of my worship that he is deserving of service that I should live out his way in this world the way of this Jesus who lived see sometimes we have to process sometimes we have to work through this and sometimes we find ourselves at different points at different places of this and maybe today you're just at a place where you say maybe i can say that i believe in jesus maybe i can say that i believe that there was a man who lived who lived a better way 
And I just want to tell you that just because I may have gotten to this point of my life doesn't make me any better than you. In fact, it doesn't make me any more a follower of Jesus than you, that we are all on a journey together following the way of Jesus. And we all walk this road together and we find the struggles together and we find what this looks like to work in our lives together. And we bring this to bear in our lives with each other, carrying each other, walking with each other, bringing the way of Jesus into this world. So what I'm inviting you to do is I'm inviting you to a conversation. I'm inviting you to process with me. I'm inviting you to walk this journey with me to say there is a Jesus worth following. There is a Jesus worth giving my life to. And there is a Jesus who it is worth it to process and to walk through this entire statement. Come to a place where I recognize and see that he is my Lord. Because I believe that his kingdom, his kingdom changes this world. And that I see glimpses of that kingdom in this world as I choose to follow him. That I believe that he is going to restore, that he is going to renew, that he is going to rescue this world for good. And that that is the desire for God for this world. And he is the only one worthy of of worship. He is the only one worth serving. He is the only one worth saying, I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, the Lord of my life. Would you pray with me? God, as we continue this journey through this creed, through these statements that Christians have said throughout the ages. God, may we continue to see the invitation that it is for our lives. That God, we all come to this place at different places. We come as skeptics. We come as curious. We come as people who need reminded of your goodness and your love and your mercy and your grace. We come as people who need to be reminded that we are loved. Father, may we all come to a place where we see all of that in Jesus. Father, wherever we come and wherever we are today, help us to explore the way of Jesus. Help us to journey, to walk that path together. And help us with open arms to invite those around us to say, I have found good. I have found grace and I have found mercy and love in this person named Jesus. In him I have found rescue and salvation and a king who is worthy of worship and worthy to serve. In that, Father, continue to work in and through us. Transform and change us. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. It's your name that we pray. Amen.